Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie, low-cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports Podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Declan, how are you? Very good. Very good morning to both of you. Uh, Yeah, back in Dublin uh, this weekend and on the way to Belfast, of course, the Northern Ireland Open starts tomorrow. uh, And I'm due to play on Monday or Tuesday. The the schedule is not out yet. I've already had to take qualify for a match from uh, Sheffield last week. Uh, So, yeah, looking forward to it. The Northern Ireland Open is fantastic. Played in front of the waterfront uh, crowd. Always packed arena there. Some great memories down through the years, particularly playing it. A young Alex Higgins there many, many moons ago uh, when I won the World Championship. We had a big benefit testimonial night there and it was absolutely packed at the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Great night. It was a great spot. Good and stuff. This week, yeah. And you had an outing there during the week yourself? Um, an outing where? In Belfast? Uh, no, no, no. It, it doesn't start till Sunday so I'm not going up uh, till, till okay. tomorrow, you know. Yeah, um, as I said, the schedule's not out for, for yet. Unfortunately, there's, uh, there's been a lot of... Uh, Mishaps, a lot of uh, exclusions from the event. Ronnie O'Sullivan pulled out yesterday. And yeah, what's the story with that? I don't know. He's, he's pulled out for He's been troubling with a, a sort of a tennis elbow injury uh, over the last couple of months. So he's sort of been in and out of tournaments. Uh, unfortunately, he plays in China, which he beat me <laughs> earlier on uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I've got to play him in China next month as well in the first round. So uh, I hope. I hope the, the tennis elbow uh, persists at least until after that that, that, that tournament. But now we had um, uh, sort of five players who were going to play in an exhibition in, in China, uh, which of course was against the rules. Playing, they pulled out of the Northern Ireland Open because of a huge sort of controversy. Uh, WST weren't allowing it, which is World Snooker, so they fell between two stills. The likes of Selby and, and John Higgins, and, and even our world champion Luca Bissell will not be up in Northern Ireland now. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. And the the sport is still as popular as ever up there. There'll be good attendance, is that it, for the duration of the tournament? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. It's, it's, it's very, very popular. Uh, they had a popular winner there. They're very well known. Mark Allen won it last year. Uh, beat John Higgins in the final, and, and it was packed. Yeah, they love their snooker. They always have done, you know, and always produced, you know, great snooker players. Alex Higgins, of course. Uh, the main one, Dennis Taylor from Carl Island two world champions uh, and they've got some good players up there now Mark Allen who's uh, knocking on the door of being world number one uh, depending on how the season goes and Jordan uh, Brown is up there he's uh, you know in the top 40 uh, world professional so yeah always been a, a great hotbed of snooker over the years Super well enjoy yourself it's a fantastic city mm. Belfast and the best of luck to you in the competition uh, as well Yeah. Now, during the, the week uh, Ken of course we had the uh, Football in uh, Faro in Portugal, the Republic of Ireland beating Gibraltar comfortably enough over there. It was a 4 0 on, on, on the night. Yeah. Just masking things over, really, wasn't it? But it was important just to, to, to get the result done as early as they could on the night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a nice result. You know, they're the sort of minnows of the group. You'd expect a, a result, you know. I think the disappointing results have been the ones before. I thought, you know, as I said, I feel sorry a little bit for Stephen Kenny. He's a good guy. And uh, you can see what he's trying to instill, but just the, the quality in, in, in the team is just not there like it has been, you know, during the Jack Chan era. And it's been difficult for him, you know. Um, it's been a, a very tough sort of campaign. And uh, I thought they were very unlucky against France at home. You know, if they had got a draw from there, it might have sort of kick-started and given them a little bit more belief. But um, they just weren't good enough for Holland and, and certainly for Greece at home. The very, very disappointing results. So it might be at the end of his era. Uh, we'll wait and see. 
Yeah, well, but one one bring in is going to is going to be is going to be the difficult one. Well, know? it is absolutely down to finance. I think more than anything else, they mm. have the game in Amsterdam coming up next month against the Dutch, and then of course the friendly against New Zealand at the Aviva Stadium, which I think now is widely accepted going to be Stephen's last game in mm. charge and of course for James McLean as well tremendous centurion yeah. uh, for, for Ireland and great competitor over the uh, the years as well looking across Channel Ken in terms of football a couple of spicy derbies taking oh, place yeah. over the weekend not least the Merseyside derby Absolutely. and some controversy there at, uh, at Anfield surrounding uh, tickets and availability of as well yeah I mean it's got to be a cracker isn't it that's the early kick off half 12 Always a spicy affair. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a few yellow cars. You can be sure of that. And uh, I think Sean Dyke, he's had a, he's had a tough time with Everton. I mean, you're, you're going to expect a, a Liverpool win, a sort of an easy win. But I don't think it'll be as easy as it could have been. I mean, they've, they've got a bit of confidence, Everton, over the last couple of games. Uh, so they'll be going there feeling a little bit better. But they, they need points, basically, to, to move up the table. And Liverpool look to be sort of back to playing somewhere near the best. Um, it's going to be a difficult game for Everton but yeah very very spicy I always look forward to the Liverpool derby without a shadow of a doubt Ken uh, good morning here it's Sean here how are you yeah, just on, on that derby, um, Everton really, really started off very, very poorly. Um, I think they lost the first three or four games, but he has got a bit of form there winning two or three of the two of the last three or four games. Yeah, he has. Yeah, and he's, uh, you know, he had a, you know, a great time when he was with Barney Sean Dyke. You know, a real tough uh, the way he sets the team up. You know, very defensive and sort of. Uh, Keep the ball at them, you know, in the other part of, of of the of the of the field, you know, and keep put them under pressure. It's sort of a Jack Charles style <laughs> manager, you know, but a very very good manager, and uh, been given a chance with a big club. Hasn't worked out for him so far. They're under a lot of pressure, um, both from the from the you know away from matters, a bit like Manchester United at the moment, the way things are going. But uh, yeah, he's a good manager, and I think he will get it right. But he needs a lot of sort of uh, implementing and getting a lot of sort of finance to bring in some better players. Yeah, they seem to be in trouble for quite a, a number of years, Everton. But in relation to Liverpool, will they get back to the heights that they did at the, over the last couple of years? They certainly last year would have been not a great season for them. No, no, last year was a disaster for them, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, not being in the Champions League as well. Uh, They'll miss that this season. Uh, but it might be a season of recovery for them. But yeah, it looks like they're playing pretty well. I mean, they started off in the league pretty good. Uh, they're building momentum. And um, Nunes seems to be sort of getting a bit of confidence in front of goal. Uh, Salah is always there. Salah hasn't been as good as he was maybe a couple of years ago. And maybe the, the lure of the Saudi league is sort of uh, in the back of his mind at the moment. And You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he was gone in the summer, Salah. Or even in January window, but uh, yeah, I think Liverpool are getting a bit of form now. They're, they're one of the title contenders, you know, and certainly they will push Arsenal and, and, and push Man City. I think this season. Yeah, the transfer window is is looming on the calendar. Mm. I think it's only about ten weeks or so till it till it reopens yeah. for for January and the madness of who goes where and for how much starts uh, all over again. What else catches your eye footballing wise this weekend? Is there's a London derby, isn't there, between Chelsea and and Arsenal? Chelsea and Arsenal is going to be a cracker, yeah. Uh, Man United got a tough match. I know you're saying like Sheffield United, but a Prime Lane, and particularly with Man United's away form, uh, that's the late kickoff tonight at eight o'clock. That'll be a that'll be a, a quite a juicy and spicy affair as well. Uh, they might be buoyed by by that last minute goal by Scott McTominay. The last, last two, two goals, doubles, two goals. <laughs> yeah, in the last like four or five minutes, quite incredible. But it might be the little bit of luck that they need United to, to sort of kickstart campaign because they're they're in all sorts of trouble, you know. Yeah. And not only on the field, uh, off the field as well. I mean, the, the collapse of uh, of the takeover bid, the Glazers looking for so much money. It's it's just uh, it could cause a lot of problems for the fans as well over the, over the course of the season. So uh, okay. yeah. We're in a bit of trouble, Man United. Not good times for Man United at the moment, I must admit, you know. Yes, indeed. Just uh, finally, Ken, just to get your thoughts on the the rugby last week, the crushing disappointment for Ireland against the All Blacks and uh, what the All Blacks did to poor old Argentina last night in the semi-final. Yeah, I mean, we're so close, Declan. So, so close. The guys played gallantly, you know. They just weren't on... 100% 100% of the game, you know, and it's just those little, the little differences, the small margins make big differences and that's exactly what happened and uh, they'll be very, very disappointed because of the opportunity and, you know, the 
the confidence that they had as well. You know, when I was fully confident, I, I really was. I thought that, that you know, the, the way they played and they beat South Africa, just the way they got through the group, I thought it was, it was their time. Once again, good morning to you, Steve. Long time, no speak. I know it's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. while, and I'll be off. I'll be off next week as well. Cause yeah. I'm off on a jolly over to the USA. I see that uh, fifty Packers fans from the UK and mm. Ireland heading off to Lambeau, is it Field for your <laughs> annual tour? Don't play with me in the morning here. We know it's Lambeau Field. Between you and Reggie slagging me off about the Packers, it's unbelievable. Yeah, look, we're going to Lambeau Field, and we go over every year. It's been sold out the last couple of years uh, since COVID. Really, there seems to be a, a sort of a backlog of. Um, you know, cheeseheads that want to go over. So, yeah, we're we're heading over. That's what the group's about, really. I know I'm known for the radio. I'm known for the podcasts and Instagrams and Facebooks and Twitters and whatever else. Uh, but this group trip is really what it's all about. It's about getting people, especially if you're a fan and your missus can't stand it or we have it the opposite way where the husband just isn't interested and you want to go over. So we bring over an awful lot of um, sort of solo travellers. We've travellers who are in their 70s have never had a chance to come over. So we're going over to see uh, that game and the college game. So it's going to be an absolute blast. But that said, I won't be on the radio because it'll oh, be the wee Steve. hours of the morning. It won't be the same without you for all the insight on, on the gridiron. Another man I know who follows the gridiron very closely here is our good friend Sean Lane is in the studio with us this morning. Do you want to, you want to put a point to Steve, Sean? Uh, yeah, good morning, Steve. How are you doing? I haven't spoken to you for a while as well. Steve, yeah. the, the, the uh, Super Bowl favourites, I presume, the, the San Francisco 49ers, they were beaten last mm. week by the Browns. How on earth did that happen? <laughs> well, that is the question. <laughs> That's a million-dollar question. Look, absolute shocker of a game. Uh, nine, as you say, look, nine-and-a-half-point favourites. They were undefeated going into that game. They drubbed the Dallas Cowboys 42-10 the week before. They were putting up 30 points a game. And guess what Steve did? Put them in his racket. And uh, that's the kiss of death when we put them in the racket. But look, Brock Purdy, their quarterback, he went uh, the last pick of the draft. Uh, he's never been defeated in his professional career. He comes in. but this is, And I'm saying this about my beloved Packers as well. Injuries will kill a team. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Debo Samuel, their best wide receiver, went out. Christian McCaffrey... Just a record-breaking running back. He got injured. Trent Williams picked up an ankle injury. He's their left tackle, so he covers and protects the quarterback. But look, it all comes down in this game to the very end, uh, which is bizarre, really, because the quarterback for the Browns was a guy called P.J. Walker. They picked this guy up off the practice squad, and he wasn't even on the team. Um, you know, during training camp and stuff like that. So, at, like, the, the shock you're exhibiting is, is quite well-rounded. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, they lost at the very end because their field goal kicker, who's been great all season, even he has a shocker of a game. He comes in, he has a chance to win the game on a 41-yarder, which isn't a gimme by any means, but it's definitely makeable. He misses the kick, and the Niners lose by two points. Absolute shocker. Wow. Yeah. Just an interesting thing I see cropping up during the week as well, Stephen, in relation to Gridiron, is that flag football is named as an Olympic sport for 2028. Yeah. Can, you, can you briefly give us some uh, outline of what that involves? Yeah, I know, look, the, the, there's limited uh, sort of enthusiasm, I guess, for flag football. No one really knows about it, so I'll try to be brief. But people are looking at this like it's very random, right? And it's coming in as an Olympic sport in 2028. I would imagine that the Americans have done it because, you know where they say when they win baseball and they win American football, they're world champions. I think this is a way for them to actually have some credence and all of that kind of jazz. But look, it's a it's super popular sport. It's not so random because they added skateboarding and karate and surfing and freestyle BMX, which I know you guys are big fans of, um, in 2020. So they're adding flag football, uh, you know, but the, one of the requirements to add something to an Olympic sport would be is that they have a world federation, that they have sort of you know, tournaments uh, around the world. And flag football has really done that over the last couple of years. There's something like 20 million people playing it in 100 countries. So for some people, it comes from left field, whereas for, you know, people who are in the flag football world, you know, it's great. But look, the NFL are always... Uh, looking for promotion this is perfect uh, concussions are big issues in NFL and the violence and the tackles and the injuries flag football you can't touch them really apart from the flag uh, so this is really good promotion for the NFL and I think it'll take off as well it, ge- it keeps the best parts of American football and does away with the tackling and all that kind of stuff as well so I just wonder lads how much the, the rest of the world will compete because America is going to have uh, this is a spoiler alert a fairly good squad when it comes to flag football and American football so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if it's really one-sided, but I'm happy about it, you know. Will Slattery of the Irish Independent joins me now on the line. Good morning, Will. Hi, how are things? Ah, oh, not so bad, not so bad. It's been a week since the 
depression in a lot of respects of what happened in the Stade de France against the All Blacks uh, last Saturday. You've had plenty of time to think about it and, and formulate your thoughts on it. What are those thoughts on it now, Will? Just what a missed opportunity it is, like watching the semi-final last night. You know, it was obvious to everyone that had Ireland gotten over the line against the All Blacks, they'd be preparing for a World Cup final uh, next weekend. And the acute disappointment comes from the fact that this was the only time in my lifetime anyway, that, and ever I would say, that Ireland had a live chance of winning the World Cup, even though it's being hailed as like this unbelievable All Blacks performance, one of their all-time great performances. That very seldom results in them clinging on at the end against Ireland. The usual, a great All Blacks performance is usually them winning by 20, 30 points and, and crushing the opposition. It, so it shows how close Ireland were that despite playing a good bit off their best, in my opinion, they still had plenty of chances, plenty of opportunities, were pushing for the winning score, which leaves me extremely frustrated that if they had actually gotten their performance right in the night, I'm very confident they would have won that game, potentially with a bit to spare, and be preparing for the final. But that's the thing, you only get to play the 80 minutes once. Ireland did not bring their best. Once again in the quarterfinal, it's been a hallmark of Irish quarterfinals. It's a terrible, terrible start. You spot a team like that, 13 points, no matter how well you play to get back into it, it's going to be very difficult to overturn. Ireland never subsequently took the lead at all across the 80 minutes, so that start was a killer amongst a myriad of other things. So ultimately, after watching last night, you know, as you said, the depression was kind of leaving me. It's full bloom this morning now, knowing that Ireland could well have been in a World Cup final with a great chance of winning it. One of my big things in sport, generally, Will, is you know a golden generation delivering. Okay, in sport in GA, which will be very used to, obviously Limerick hurlers have done it. Dublin footballers did six in a row as well, um, not too long ago. But this was the golden generation of Irish rugby that had the biggest prize in the sport, the Webb Ellis Trophy, in their sights for the last couple of years, and the sense of expectancy about it was huge in 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 the country, and the sense of deflation afterwards e- equally so. Where now for, for, for Irish rugby? We still have the nucleus of, of, a, of a good squad, but it's going to be a very long, hard four years to get back up there. Well, that's the thing. You know, people were saying, if not now, then when? If you look at the age profile of the team, like they're going to be around for the next two years, maybe, but the majority of the team are in their 30s. Obviously, Johnny Sexton is one of the greatest players of all time. He won't be there in four years' time. James Lowe is 31. Ty Furlong is 31. Ty Byrne is 31. Ian Henderson is 31. Josh Van der Fleer is 30. Peter O'Mahony is 34. Connor uh, Boniaki is 33. Connor Murray is 34, 33. All these stalwarts who have been in great form are, are, are walking out the door over the next couple of years. So that's why this was such an important opportunity to take because the form of the team, the fitness of the team, the age profile of the team, you know, you're, you're not, are you going to get a better opportunity than this? Like, the All Blacks are in the World Cup final, but for my money, when Scott Robertson comes in, they're going to be better in four years' time. Are Australia going to be as bad at a home World Cup in four years' time? Maybe, but each home sticks around, but you yeah. think there could be a bit of an improvement there. England have been dire under Steve Borch, but at the same time, they're playing in a semi-final today. Will they be as bad as four in four years' time? France is still a young, talented team, with all those guys, for the most part, will be there in Australia. So Ireland is actually the team who's probably going to change the most significantly. Maybe them in South Africa, who have a similarly older squad. So, yeah, like there's still reasons to be optimistic. Like You just have to look at the team sheets, the provinces have picked for the opening URC weekend to know there's plenty of young talent. Ireland have won three Grand Slams under 20s level in the last five seasons. So there's going to be new players coming in. But are they going to be necessarily better than the guys we've had at this World Cup in their prime? Not necessarily. I, like a, a colleague of mine did a piece looking ahead to 2027 and picking a, a potential team. And obviously, four years out, there could be loads of bolters who would emerge. But the team didn't make me feel confident that Ireland would have a better chance of winning a World Cup than they did just just pass. I think, look, you can't predict the future, but you know, winning a World Cup takes a lot of things to come into place. I feel like they were in place this World Cup and that 80-minute performance you know, kind of scuppered it. OK, well, the Blacks were back in action last night, taking on Argentina in the first of the semi-finals. Sean Lane is with us here in studio. Sean, you watched that game uh, last night and the scoreline suggests it was quite comfortable uh, for the All Blacks on the night and it's them, rather than us, ultimately, that are in the final yeah, next week. Yeah, very disappointing from an Irish perspective. I agree with Will. I suppose, Will, what I watched last night, I mean, is is an Ian Foster team getting better and better as they go along. Will Jordan on, is on fire on the wing. The Barrett brothers, Whitlock, they're, they're all just hitting form at the right time. And it was really a mismatch last night, wasn't it, New Zealand and, and Argentina? Completely, like it was kind of the semi-final that the, the World Cup deserved or World Rugby deserved, considering the, the nature of the draw and like 
in terms of Ireland would have had to beat these teams anyway. So from an Irish perspective, it doesn't bother me too much. But as a tor- from a tournament perspective, doing a draw three years in advance and having the rankings that bear no resemblance to the actual World Order come World Cup time is a bit of a farce. It means people like the casual rugby fans who would have been glued to the TV last weekend, as Stephen Ferris said in the broadcast last night, would have been turning off after 15, 20 minutes. There was always a massive gulf between the top four and the rest that was magnified last night because it was the first time we really got that clash. And even New Zealand, you know, they're not as, as good as they were maybe under Steve Hansen and Graham Henry. They're still the best team in the world at putting a weaker team to the sword. Like if Ireland, if Ireland had beaten um, New Zealand, they wouldn't have won like New Zealand did last night. I think they would have won comfortably. But New Zealand, there's no team that can that just put teams away with the kind of the kind of the merciless kind yeah. of yeah. remorseless kind of nature that the All Blacks do. And you're right, they are getting better in this tournament. You know, you, you, it's unmistakable that Joe Schmidt has gotten them a lot sharper since he joined the setup. It is night and day from the team that Ireland beat in uh, in New Zealand in 2022, just in terms of their overall standards. Their handling is sharper, their rooking is better, their defence is really, really mean. Like Ireland, can, Ireland put up pretty big scores in those three tests. Not so anymore. Even though they scored three tries last weekend, the All Blacks' defence is really, really resolute. And they have an extra day's rest now. They can put their feet up tonight and they can prepare for next next Saturday night. So they're in a really good place. And it's just funny that, like, you know, a couple of, maybe a year ago, six months ago, it looked like New Zealand were going to be taking an early ticket home. And now they're, they're, they're in the final and they look very, very well placed to win a fourth World Cup. Yeah, very, yeah. Sorry, so it's very disappointing, I think, after the quality of the two, two of the quarterfinals that we saw last week, that we had uh, the semi-final that we had last night, ultimately the All Blacks going through. But the second semi-final is on this evening. England, bad and all as they are, Will, and all the difficulties that they've had, are in a World Cup semi-final against the uh, defending champions, uh, South Africa. How much different a game are you expecting in that one this evening than what we had last night? Yeah, I think it'll be... I, I don't expect to... I, I think South Africa will win, but I don't expect it to be like a, a massive landslide like last night. I think just the nature of how England play, they're very conservative, kick a lot of ball. South Africa are happy to do that too. So I could see it being a pretty cagey affair with South Africa maybe pulling ahead in the end. And it's funny when you, it speaks to the, the landscape shifting so dramatically. So these two teams obviously played in the last World Cup final. England had a very young team at the time. If you hadn't watched any rugby between then and now and looked at the two team sheets, you'd think, geez, this, this must be a toss-up. This, this is going to be an unbelievable game of rugby because the England team sheet is still like chock full of household star players. Omar, Maro, Toja, and even like Manu Tuolagi, like even in the, in, in the bench, they actually even picked a really strong bench as well, which obviously they're trying to combat South Africa's strength in that area. But it just speaks to how turgid and how awful they've been playing that despite like having on paper what is still a very strong team, no one is really expecting them to win. They've limped through the tournament. Like, they haven't really impressed. They were very poor against Samoa. They were clinging on against Fiji at the end. You know, they beat Japan and Argentina and Chile. Like, it's, it's not a murderer's row of opposition. Funnily enough, they're the only team in the tournament still who have won all their matches, which just shows again that the draw was, you know, a, a bit of a joke. And, you know... A penny for Ireland and France's thoughts when if they're watching an all black South Africa final, both teams having beaten one of the teams in the final and only lost by a kick of a ball in the other. Like I'm hoping for a much more improved game tonight just because it would be very disappointing if the penultimate weekend had two turkey shoots. But as I said, maybe that's what this you know, World Rugby deserved. You're gonna wake them up into maybe doing the draw a year in advance rather than three years in advance. So you can actually have a group stage and, and, and a knockout stage that more often resembles, you know, like if last two weekend, if the last weekend's quarterfinals had been the semifinals, it would have been a feast of rugby leading into an unbelievable final. As it is, there's almost been a week off this weekend. It's almost been a down week, which is very disappointing. I have to ask you, Will, um, Cheslin Colby's block down from the conversion, which proved to be a very crucial block down, mm. the, the, the score ended up at 29-28. Yeah. I've never seen it before. Um Rule-wise, I presume it's correct. I've, I've no doubt of that, but a, a marvellous feat. Yeah, it was. It's funny, though, looking at various <laughs> angles. It looks like he took off. Like The reason it was so marvellous is because it appears that he took off before Ramos had started his run-up. And there can be a little bit of grey area in terms of when a run-up officially starts. Like For some referees, if you kind of set the shape of your body and maybe move your upper body, that signifies the kind of the starter's pistol. It was very, very tight. And as you say, they lost by a point. And Cheslin Colby, yeah. which I've never seen before, blocked down a kick in, in a major match. I've seen it at like schoolboy level, but not in a World Cup uh, quarter final. But that's the one of the calls that I think Antoine Dupont referred to after the game when he was very much up in arms with Ben O'Keefe's performance. 
I feel like that needed to go to the TMO, to be honest. It's such a crucial game. You need to make sure that Colby was starting from the correct position. I'm not sure if he was, but shows the pace that he has. And, and even the try he got when he clicked that rubber kick through, he's absolutely electric. And he's hitting form at the, at the perfect time as well. So, yeah, like the reverse of Africa looked extremely formidable. But as you say, that was an unbelievable piece of, piece of, kind of ingenuity that ultimately yeah, yeah, won them the game. Yeah. So, Will, finally, you're predicting an all-Southern Hemisphere World Cup final next week, New Zealand versus uh, South Africa. Yeah, I am. I, something tells me that England might be able to keep it close and, and we could have a, a glimpse of of maybe a good game. But then part of me thinks, what am I basing that on? Like every England game I've watched for probably two years, they've been brutal. The games they've won, even they haven't been good in. So if it goes to the form book, South Africa should win pretty comfortably and set up what, to be fair, Ireland won't be there and France won't be there, which is disappointing. But the All Blacks South Africa would be an unbelievable final. And very, very hard to call as well. So, yeah, I'm going for South Africa tonight. And at least, even though, as I said, no Northern Hemisphere teams, we should get a good final. Sean Lane is with us in studio, our regular hurling uh, analyst as well. And we're going to start with a look back at last week and the Senior Hurling 1 Championship semi-finals. The first one was Ballyboden St. Enders versus St. Vincent's. Bowden coming through that 24 points to one goal in 19. Real drama and that as Sean will tell us a little bit later. And of course Nafina uh, reaching a third consecutive county final with victory over Lucan Sarsfields. Well before we talk to Sean let's hear from both managers starting with David Curtin the manager of Ballyboden St. Enders. What was his assessment of what he saw from his team last week yeah look Declan it was a phenomenal battle out there and look I thought we were gone on a couple of occasions and uh, the panel have showed serious resilience this year and no more so than today um, you know a penalty at the death of extra time and look we, we rode our luck a little bit there but went down on a couple of occasions and came back and that just shows you the, the resilience that are in the group and uh it's hard to, at this stage of the day, get your head around everything that happened out there after a long 80 minutes. So um, just just absolutely thrilled to be back in the county final again. And you're in a very good position coming into the death at the end of normal time when Dermot Connolly, of all people, pops up with a, with a leveller. Yeah, look, uh, Dermot, I think he got the last two scores at normal time and looked, he showed his class there. And uh, look, we knew what Vincent's were going to throw at us. They... they They've been um, haven't been at this end in, in a long time, and uh, look, they're a phenomenal club and a fantastic uh, team, and they'll be around for for a long time to come. And uh, as I said, it was just uh, after that we had to lift the lads out for extra time, and that was to and fro in both ways. But just delighted Declan to get over the uh, at the end. I'm sure David, you learn a lot every time the, the team goes out, and it's been a longish year so far, winning the league and now going to a, a county final as well. How much different did you learn about them today, if anything? Yeah, like we spoke about it inside there. Um, I suppose the the biggest thing was that games to and fro, and when you're down, it's 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 to it's to keep the heads and it's to keep the body language uh, positive and point for point and get your claw yourself back into the game. And and I think they did that uh, on a couple of occasions, as I said. So I, I'm delighted with their with the response, despite not probably hurling to their best today, but they uh, showed a massive amount of resilience, which is which is great. And finally, for me, it's going to be a big couple of weeks for the club, of course. You're in the county final in two weeks' time, and your footballers will be back here next Sunday as well. Yeah, it is. It's a big couple of weeks. Um, it's great to have the boys in the football final as well against Kilmacud Croaks on, on, on Sunday. Um, and look, we just um, we, we wish them all the very best, and then ourselves on Sunday week. So, big couple of weeks in the club, and uh, we just put the heads down now for the next couple of weeks. David, thanks for your time. Thanks a million. Thank you. Yeah, we're delighted to be back in the final in two weeks' time. Uh, assessments of the game, I thought I thought we started well. I thought we started well. I think we we stepped out 9-1 up. Um, I think it might have got back to 9-6 or 9-7. So they really came back and got on top, which we knew they would. Um, second half was was just a humdinger for them back. Uh, we were expecting a full battle for them, from, from them. They've been super all year. They've been unbeaten all year. And that's exactly what we got. So we had to go go fairly deep as well there to actually finish it out so we'd be pleased around how we finish it out beautiful forward line was potent the two Currys and AJ Murphy today as well yeah the boys are great I mean Sean Sean, Colin AJ yeah they, I suppose they'd say themselves they're at the end of things you know I, I, I thought as a group the collective when we were going well it was very much a team performance 
um, the creation of those chances for those lads Adrian Colin Sean you know they came from very deep our half back line working very hard the midfielders Peter Feeney Brian Ryan working very very hard um, to set up those opportunities for the lads so very pleased uh, when we were going well very pleased with the overall performance to set those chances up for the lads inside yeah do you feel that the pressure had intensified a little bit perhaps on the group after the fact that you'd beaten Croaks in the, in the quarterfinal who were the defending champions the pressure on us yeah um, more so externally I suppose perhaps than internally yeah 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 um, I, well I'd say well, like at, at the cutting edge of any championship there, there, there is pressure and that's just how it is so you have to deal with that pressure and I think we do so you have to embrace that and drive through it um, I said it here a fortnight ago and, and, and four weeks ago like it's not about us and Croaks there's, there's, there's a lot of super teams in Dublin there was two there was four on show there this evening and there's two and we're one of them who are fortunate enough to be left in two weeks' time. So, yeah, we feel the pressure. I think like like all like all other teams do. But you don't win. You, you know, you don't win championships if you don't feel that pressure, embrace that pressure, and re and re and re re perform in that pressure. Neil O'Callaghan there, the manager of Nafina Hurlers, after guiding his team into a third consecutive county final. They'll play Ballyboden St. Enders at uh, Parnell Park next Sunday. And before him, you heard David Curtin there, the manager of Bowden, the league champions and now county finalists as well. Thanks to both men for their generous time post-match last weekend at the Nell. Sean Lane, uh, you were eagerly watching those two semi-finals last uh, Sunday afternoon. In fairness, uh, they worked out pretty much, as you said, that they would and we have that classic uh, south side north side decider to look forward to next week absolutely Declan and, and you know it's great to get the, the two interviews that you got after the match because it actually tells you exactly how the two managers felt during the game Declan you, Dave Corton you know thought they were gone he said it on a few occasions uh, they rode their luck on other occasions that was a really really tight game uh, I felt so sorry for young Connolly at the end uh, he had a great game I got five or six points during the game uh, and it just a, a lick of paint on the the the, the, the post uh, put the ball out instead of going to the corner let it just went wide but exactly what we expected from Vincent through the kitchen sink at it some really good performance from them Ree McBride and Tomas Connolly himself but you have to take your hats off to Bowden. They have the experience and uh, they got across the line. Uh, in the other one, uh, Nafina as well. Look at uh, a game of two halves, not unlike the Camogie the previous uh, week that we talked about. Uh, Nafina, nine points to one up. Uh, Lucan, you asked a great question last week. Would it Will Lucan suffer because they've no quarterfinal and they hadn't played the last round robin? They did. They were 9-1 down. There was very little, little in it after that. Game of two halves from Nafina's perspective. Uh, again, the inside forward line of the the two Curries and Shane Barrett went you know started inside. He he did very well as well. But the second half when they were under pressure, Bork, uh, Rush, OD, all of these really stood up in the Nafina back line. So you know, worthy player teams to get to the county final. There's no doubt about it. People will be saying, "Oh, I hope Nafina win it there after losing the last two But that's not life. That's not the way it happens. You know, Nafina will have to roll up the sleeves. Go again and, uh, you know, fight this minute by minute and, you know, they've opposition that are probably, you know, smiling, saying, you know, we're going to have a right cut at this as well. Met in the league final, of course, which uh, Ballyboden St. Enders won in O'Toole Park before the championship started. I think they actually played each other in the championship uh, as well, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that actually pans out yeah. next Sunday. We, we will have an extensive preview, of course, with your good self next weekend on that. We're going to turn our attention now to football. And before we look ahead to tomorrow's big game at Parnell Park, an opportunity once again for you to enter our competition. Courtesy of Ken O'Sullivan and the Dublin County Board. A chance for you and a friend to be at the Nell tomorrow afternoon from four o'clock for Crokes versus Bowden. And the question is, what is the name of the retiring Dublin CEO finishing up next week? If you know the answer to that, WhatsApp us, please. 087-188-1068. We'll have a winner for you just before 10 o'clock. Before we bring in Brian Talty to look ahead to that decider tomorrow, just some housekeeping in GA terms Mick Bowen of course was reappointed manager of the Dublin Ladies Footballers for 2024 in his second spell in charge he's led Dublin to no fewer than five All-Ireland titles and he's back for the title defence next year the National League by the way starts on the 21st of January so uh, best of luck to Mick in 2024 his management team will be announced in due course and uh, just on the field, the Kilmacult Croaks ladies, who are, of course, champions of Dublin. They're also champions of Leinster. They start their provincial campaign tomorrow afternoon against Dunshockland Royal Gales in Rathout. Now, note this one has been brought forward tomorrow to a one o'clock throw-in. 
down there. So the very best to look to Paddy O'Donnell, Michelle Davran and all the ladies there at Croaks in that game tomorrow. Now, they'll be just coming off the pitch and they'll be getting stuck into the men's county final. Croaks versus Bowden at the Nell. The biggest game in club football in the country without a shadow of a doubt. So who do you get to just look ahead to it? Only one of the biggest names in Dublin club football, the legendary Brian Talty. Good morning to you, Brian. Good morning, Declan. How are you? That's okay. You can revolute me the money for the intro after <laughs> after the show. No bother. No bother. No uh, problem. Brian, I have to say, our, the quality of our analysts here in the programme, Sean Lane, the, spot on with the hurling last week, and you to a T were spot on in the semi-final as well. Because you told us here a few weeks ago that Croaks and Rohini had the ability to go all the way to penalties. Personally, I kind of doubted you a little bit. I don't know why. You were 100% spot on. Uh, I wouldn't be too sure. I'd like to hear a replay of that one, Nicky. I thought I was going for the other one, uh, the Bowden Jude's game. But uh, certainly, um, yeah, Rahini were, were fairly confident going into that game and, and put up a huge performance and, and, you know, nearly pulled it off. But uh, unfortunately, from, from our point of view, they didn't. But, you know, they say champions find a way. And, and certainly when they were under pressure, Kilmacud found that way. Yeah, they certainly did. They were gone at one stage, then they were back in it, and then of course, you know, it goes to the lottery of of penalties, and they were spot on. I think they scored uh, all five on, on the day. Yeah, absolutely. The penalties were were, were fantastic, and even Sean Grennan, who had a massive game for Rahini, he missed his, but hit it really well. But unfortunately, went to a little bit too high. But the standard of penalty taking was amazing. But uh, I I just don't like to finish a amateur championship like that but that's the way it is Declan and uh, definitely Rohini were very very disappointed at the end of it and they had a right chance to, to take Crooks Naturally enough and it would have been a huge scalp because not only of course was it the Dublin champions that they would have beaten but also the Leinster and the All-Ireland Club uh, champions as well it does, doesn't get much, much bigger than that but look it, it's a uh, Croaks going for three in a row tomorrow. It's been a long road for them and a couple of All-Ireland final appearances in, in, in that as well. As, as a manager, Brian, and someone extensively involved in coaching over the years, how do you keep that freshness in that? You know, Declan, they haven't been flying in the championship so far, you know. They've kind of just been getting there, but um, Robbie freshened up a few things. He's brought in a lot of really good young fellas and, uh, you know, we saw that the last day when Luke Ward got the goal, that that, that Got the, the got the into extra time, you know. So they're bringing in little bits of talent like that, and they've been missing fellas as well. And um, you know, I think he's freshened up the backroom team as well, bringing in the likes of Bernard Flynn and that, you know. So uh, I suppose that's the little things that you do. You just freshen it up. But these guys really want to win stuff, and and that's the huge thing. And they put in a huge performance. So, uh, but having having young guys coming through to your panel, you know, freshens that and freshens everything up. Okay, well on the other side you've Kenny Nocton and Ballyboden St. Dennis looking for their first title thing since since two thousand and nineteen. A contrasting semi final to Croaks versus Rohini, uh, Bowden having no real difficulty in disposing of the challenge of their near neighbour St. Jude's. That was a big surprise to me, to be honest, because I thought Jews had been going really well and had a, a very good forward line, but, but uh, Bowden came out really prepared for the game. Uh, they marked very tightly at the back. They gave the Jews no space up front at all, uh, and, and they looked so sharp, it was unbelievable. I think sitting down with the game I was saying this is the sharpest I've ever seen Bally Bowden you know they were they were uh, you know on the front foot the whole time and their first half performance was amazing um, now they'll have a little bit of work to do I think Declan for 19 minutes in the second half uh, I don't think they scored in that 19 minutes and, and coughed up a few chances so they've got to be very careful not to do that against uh, Kilmacud but, but they are the form team Declan uh, and they've been flying all year doing really well in the league and all their championship matches have been very good. So, you know, on form, you'd be tipping them, but form goes out the window, as, as Sean said there earlier on, the county finals, a different kettle of fish. Yeah, because there's so many different you know factors feeding into it uh, as well on the day, and the weather may very well be one. We should say at this stage that the Senior Two Championship final, which was fixed for Parnell Park tomorrow afternoon between Clontarf and... Uh, uh, Fingallians. Fingallians, thank you, Sean. Fingallians, yes, is actually off tomorrow afternoon. So, uh, giving the nail to the, the senior one championship final. Disappointment, obviously, for those two clubs. But they, of course, um, as well as competing in a county final, have secured the, arguably the bigger prize of senior one championship football next year as well. So, congratulations to them. We're going back to the big game tomorrow, Brian. Where is it going to be won and lost? What are the key battles to look out for in this one? Well, I, I just think if if um, if 
Bowden give away as many chances as they did to Jews in the second half of the game. Jews had four or five chances of goals, which would have changed the game, Declan. And with the likes of, you know, as I say, uh, Shane Walsh up there, Paul Mannion, Luke Ward could be in, you know, it'll be dangerous. But the form team really going into it, and and I I keep saying it in my head, have been Bally Bowden, and you'd, you'd have to tip them for it. But... Kinmacud, as you say, are Dublin champions, Leinster champions, All-Ireland champions, and there could be a huge performance from them. It's going to be a tight one. I still have a feeling Croach will win it, but as I say, on on, on any form we see at the moment, uh, it'll be Bowden, but I'd go for Croach for a point or two. It's Bowden are chasing all kinds of doubles, aren't they, as well? The, you know, the, Obviously, the county football and hurling double, and the, the hurlers have won the league, and they'll be looking to win the county final next week. So it's great excitement in that around um, the, the club, uh, I'm sure, as indeed there, there is around Kilmacud Croaks as well. But a county final, it's a really special day, isn't it, for, for the, the club and for the community that it's, it's part of as well, Brian? That's uh, fantastic, you know, Declan. And even when you look at the, the I was looking at the parallels are playing an intermediate final and I saw them putting out flags all over the place. School kids wishing them the best of luck and that goes on for the, the county final. But the county final is a, is a huge one and, you know, um, and that can happen, as Sean said earlier, that can happen in the county finals. There's all sorts of nerves going on uh, in the players and it's how you, how you deal with that. But, but uh, yeah, it's fantastic for the, the, the area, for any county final. And I see the same in, in Clontarf and Fingalines as well for the this, this second division one now. So it's fantastic uh, and a great day out. It's a pity, as you say, I'm actually away at the moment, but I'm told the weather is not great. But, uh, <laughs> not great. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> not great, no. It's, it's certainly <laughs> Hopefully, yes. I'm just looking out at the sunshine here. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> thanks, Brian. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah. Every, but, uh, uh, you know, hopefully we we'll get a, we we'll get a great game, and I think we will. Okay. These are the two teams that we thought would be in the county final at the start of the year. To be honest with you, right. so, so uh, it's turned out that way. Finally, and I do appreciate you joining mm-hmm. us this morning on the program as well. Um, is it purple and gold or blue and white ribbons on the Clearly Cup tomorrow evening? <laughs> I'd have to sit on the fence. I, I'd go for Croaks, but. And um, I would. I think Bowden would be very, very close to it as well. Very good friend, Alan Colley joins us on the line this morning. Good morning, Al. Morning, Declan. How are you? Very good. Are you in the northwest or on your way home? I'm in the northwest, Declan. I came down for the match last night because I thought there was a bit of a blanket ban with the weather yesterday, and obviously the game then went ahead in Daly Mount, but I had already made my way to the showground. So uh, yeah, and you were sorry you did. I pro- yeah, I was very sorry, Declan, because what I watched last night, probably the worst game I've seen all season, so I was disappointed. But anyway, look, nothing mm. I can do about it now. No, indeed. No, and on, uh, In contrast, at Daly Mount Park, uh, we had a, a fine game of football between St. Patrick's Athletic and Bohemians. Dress rehearsal for the Cup final, of course, on the 12th of November. The Saints emerging victorious two goals to nil. Mark Doyle and Connor Carthy on target for John Daly's charges there. Um, as I say, you've got to give full credit to the ground staff at, at Daly Mount Park. An excellent job. There was never any doubt that that game wasn't going to take place uh, yesterday evening and I think the two teams did, uh, did, did it justice as well. But Pat's emerging victorious two goals to nil massive result for them but a huge setback for Bohemians in terms of trying to finish fourth and qualify for Europe that way yeah absolutely Declan and you're right to applaud the ground staff because I left Dublin at about half four yesterday and with the rain that was falling and obviously the word filtering through UCD's game off Shamrock Rovers game off which you would argue was probably the best pitch in the country I was thinking there's no way the game will go ahead in Daly Mount either because the rain was just so heavy yesterday but fair play to the ground staff and as you said it was probably never even in doubt was it because even I was following tweets uh, right up until 6 o'clock half 6 and, and everything seemed fine so it was great to get the game on um, and psychologically obviously with the cup final only three weeks out now it was a massive win for St. Pat's but just in terms of the league position as well in European football and as you say it's not secure by any means for either of the teams yet even though Pat's are in a very strong position and Bowes fighting with Shells for that fourth place it's a massive, massive victory for Pat and a huge setback for Bohemian. Yeah, I'll tell you, I was there early enough myself uh, last night in, the, in anticipation that it may still have been called off at that late stage. But the referee and the assistants came out to have their usual pre-match checks and uh, they, didn't, they didn't drop a single ball on the pitch. Brilliant. That's, that's well, how that's confident they were. Um, yeah, yeah and, and like, it's a pitch that we've been critical of in the past, Daily Mountain, maybe just for the surface not being even. I remember go back a couple of years and even earlier in the season that it, that it takes its 
it's time before I suppose the, the growth comes in and the grass then starts growing and we get a really nice pitch during the summer but fair play to the ground staff because the rain was just incredible yesterday Biblical proportions I heard you mm. describe it yesterday and you're, you were so right in, in that as well so Pat's with the wind there now um, the programme is a little bit disrupted now of course as well because Shamrock Rovers were due to play Drogheda United last night that didn't happen they're going to play them instead tomorrow evening their game with Cork on Monday is now off that's put back to next Monday Pats play Sligo at home on Monday, so there could be a very, very interesting and very tasty Dublin derby at Richmond Park between Pats and Rovers next week, depending on which way results go over the next couple of days. Yeah, absolutely, Declan. I suppose that's the one thing with the game that's been called off, that it gave the other clubs another opportunity to put a bit of pressure on Shamrock Rovers, because you would have felt, had they played last night, Shamrock Rovers probably would have beaten Drada, and we would have been where we started at the start of the night. But the fact that that game was called off and Pats got their victory, obviously they're going to play on Sunday, Shamrock Rovers, but it sets it up lovely now for Monday if they could win as well. And Pats, and as you said, that, that big game next Friday night, it could be an absolute cracker. For, for a couple of reasons, obviously it could be a cracker for Shamrock Rovers about to win the league, but it also could be a cracker for St. Pats. If they were to overtake them or be in a position to do that, it would be absolutely incredible and it would be great for us to win. Oh, absolutely. And just finally, to finish on the Bowes game last night, Keith Buckley limped off, injured seven minutes before half-time is a doubt at the moment for the cup final, which would be horrific for him if he was to, to miss out. But we do wish Keith every success in his recovery over the next couple of weeks, and hopefully he can he can take his place in the final. There was one other game last night, other than the one that you were at, Alan, that was at the Brandywell, Ryan McBride Brandywell, between Derry City and Shelburne. Home side finishing with ten men, Damien Duff making the long trip home into the early hours of the morning with a point how precious do you think that point could be in a couple of weeks time yeah it could be and I suppose before the match you probably would have looked at it and I said Damien might have taken a point but the fact that they were down to 10 men for so long because obviously the sending off happened early in the first half he'd probably be disappointed maybe with the with the outcome considering they were down to 10 men for so long but it is very tight still in terms of that European place obviously I think they're only a point behind Bohemians now with the three games to go so Still all to play for Declan. He's had a brilliant season, Damien. Uh, Shelburne have, have, have gone on such a brilliant run of form over the past couple of months. So it's still all to play for. Derry again, though, it'll be majorly disappointed because I mentioned the fact that the Shamrock Rovers game being called off. It was another opportunity for them to put a bit of pressure and look after themselves and do their business. And they just didn't get it done again last night. Whereas St. Pat's, to be fair to them, they got their business done. I just don't know how many chances Derry want to do anything. I really yeah, don't. Because they've had so many over the last number of weeks. Yeah, they've had too many now and they don't deserve it really because when you think of, I suppose, as you said, the amount of opportunities that they've had um, and I even looked at the points tally there in terms of last year compared to this year and what they had to make up and I think it was 13 points they had to make up but they're going to finish and that was if they were to win all their games which obviously they, they, they let themselves down again last night that they were going to finish, I think, two points ahead of where they were last year and it's it's probably going to be just an equal amount to where they were last year. It's just not good enough. And they've just kind of plateaued out. They haven't, as I said, closed that gap to 13 points. They haven't eaten into that at all. They've just done basically the same as what they did last year. And as they all neutrals hope, at least we can get to next Friday and into core for that Pats Rovers game. That's it on the domestic front. Uh, let's, before we go cross channel and bring Sean in on that, just a brief word on the international scene during the week. We had that uh, routine expected victory over Gibraltar in, in, in Faro, but uh, the long goodbye continues. Yeah, it does, Declan, and it's disappointing. Um, obviously, this time last week, I was trying to consider last night was. Friday night's atmosphere in the Aviva of last week as bleak as what it was in the showgrounds last night. I don't know what was worse between the two, but uh, it was very grim. Both of them, my last two Friday nights, have been very exciting, Declan. Um, and it is, it's disappointing because I suppose we all wanted Stephen to do well and that's not just that, us with our League of Ireland hats on. I think um, lots of people from outside as well wanted to see him do well, but it just hasn't worked out. Uh, again, something like what we're saying about the clubs having opportunities. Stephen has had his opportunity Obviously, there was a lot of contributing factors at the start as to why maybe he wasn't getting results. But this was the year that you would have expected maybe a bit more improvement in terms of seeing us being competitive in a group. And whatever about France and the Netherlands, it was those great games. And we were well beaten in both of them. And again, last Friday night, it was the same case. Um, I suppose then him coming out afterwards, trying to dress it up. You just can't dress it up sometimes. You have to be honest and realistic. And as I say, the fans that were at the match and I was in the Aviva, 
you just couldn't dress that up and he probably would have been in a better position had he come out and been a bit more honest in terms of his assessment after the match. But it's all done and dusted now. As you say, it looks like the long goodbye will continue. Probably the only good thing is that maybe next week or next month, sorry, he will get a chance just to say goodbye and maybe he deserves that because he has tried everything. He's a good man, Stephen, and I, I don't want to see him in a position where he's getting hounded out or humiliated. But in terms of the job going forward, he's had his opportunity and it just hasn't worked. Yeah, it's where he goes from here after that is the thing as well. You know, one of the names that was being bandied about during the week, which was, I thought was absolutely ridiculous, to be honest with you, was Mark Kennedy, having been sacked by Lincoln, um, that he would be a contender for, for the job. It's just mind-baffling the names that people can come up with sometimes. But uh, that's the international scene. Al, um, Sean Lane is with me in the studio here now, and he wants to discuss the return of the Premier League this afternoon, including... What might be going on at Manchester City? Yeah, Alan, good morning to you. How are you doing? Good morning, Sean. Yeah, just a couple of uh, roasty ones. Uh, Liverpool and Everton and Chelsea and Arsenal. But uh, just watching City's form over the last couple of weeks and before the international break and all that, they're not firing on all cylinders. I just get your view on, on, on their game at home to uh, Brighton today. Yeah, I think they're under a bit of pressure, Sean. Yeah. Um, because as you say, they're not firing on all cylinders. They've lost three of their last four games as well. One of them was the EFL Cup. They've lost two Premier League games. And if they were to lose today, I think that would be the first time in a long, long time that they've lost three on the trot in the Premier League. So they are under a little bit of pressure. I think, again, a couple of injuries, even though as good as and all as they are, and the squad that they have, a couple of injuries have obviously hampered them, particularly De Bruyne. But the suspension of Rodri has been crucial as well. And uh, people will always focus on Haaland and De Bruyne and, uh, I suppose, the superstar players that get the goals. But he's basically the most functional player to have and he keeps everything going, Rodri, and he offers him such protection in that midfield area as well. So he's been a huge loss. He'll be back today. But it's a big game against Brighton for them. And Brighton are obviously a very good side as well themselves, Sean. Yeah. And it won't hold any fear for them going to the Etihad. So I think for the first time in a long time, they're under a little bit of pressure, Man City. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Brighton get a result today. And we don't often say that, Manchester City under a bit of pressure. Mm-hmm. Just uh, the London derby then, the Chelsea-Arsenal won Arteta against Pochettino. Uh, you'd have to say Chelsea haven't had the greatest of starts, but is he getting it right over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, absolutely, and I suppose the results reflect that as well. They've picked up three victories, one again in the Cup against Brighton, but two in the league against Fulham and Burnley, albeit they should be beating the likes of those. But I think, to be fair to Pochettino, Sean, he inherited a bit of a mess yeah. in terms of the amount of players and um, who's the ones he wanted, who's the ones he didn't want. So there was a lot of, kind of uh, shuffling going on there and rebuilding in terms of the squad that he wanted. For the first time now since he's gone in, it probably looks like he's putting a bit of shape on the team and finally he has the players that maybe he does want going forward. So I always felt he would turn a corner whether he's turned enough of a corner to beat Arsenal I don't think so yeah. but Arsenal are much further down the line in their development compares to what Chelsea are under Pochettino so I do expect Arsenal probably to beat him today but he's definitely turning the corner and I think going forward he will uh, absolutely get things right there I think he's a very good manager Pochettino. Good yeah absolutely and just the last one and, and briefly um, the Liverpool derby Jorgen Klopp against a, a real uh, British manager in Sean Dice that sets them up defensively and everybody gives everything how do you see that going Liverpool definitely having a better season than, 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 than the last one or two but how would you see that one going Yeah I fancy Liverpool strong I think Liverpool are, are somewhere in the mix for the league title as well Sean there's okay. a lot of people speaking about Arsenal and Man City but not really mentioning Liverpool but the firepower that they have is phenomenal. Obviously, they've suffered the, the um, injury setback now with Robertson. But Simicast, that we saw last week in the Aviva with Greece, he'll step in at left full. Uh, I do worry for them a little bit defensively, but I think their midfield and especially their attacking areas are so dangerous. The likes of Salah, uh, Diaz, Nunes, all these players, they're, they're definitely going to score plenty of goals. And I think Liverpool will be in the mix for the title. I don't see much of a chance for Everton today. They will battle, they will fight all the things you attribute to a Sean Dyche team, but I think Liverpool will have too much quality for them. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend.